0: Everyone, welcome back into Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Friday night as I am recording this following the Denver Nuggets win over the New Orleans Pelicans on the road. That's four in a row. Final score 116 105. It is slow, it is methodical, but the Nuggets are officially 27 21. They are six games above 500 that's pretty impressive. Given what they've had to deal with, given that they've played not more road games than every team in the NBA, but it's up there. It's pretty close. And that they've had to deal with the injuries that they've had, it is very impressive to see where they are, to see what they continue to do. And how Nicole Jokic and Aaron Gordon and Will Barton, although he was out tonight, Monte Morris, Austin Rivers in the starting lineup, how all of these guys have been able to stay the course understand what their role is and how they're going to get this done, and then take advantage of these games. They haven't dropped any of these bad games. Uh, I know that ESPN continues to update like who's above 500, who's below 500 in their expanded standings, but I'm going to read this out right now. They currently have the Nuggets at 20-5 and five against teams that are below 500. 20-5. and five. That is really good. That is really, really good. It is up there with every team in the NBA in terms of the effectiveness against teams that are worse than you. And it's the reason why Denver has banked all of these wins. 20 of their 27 wins have come against teams below 500. And it's funny because they've played 25 teams below 500. They've played 23 games versus teams above 500. And they're about to have the easiest schedule in the NBA for the rest of the year or at least one that's pretty close to it. They are in really good position. And banking all of these wins on this road trip has been a really, really big deal. And it's big to fight through kind of the doldrums right now because Denver, they've been a team that's really consistent in these situations year after year. Every single time, right before the All-Star break, this team finds its rhythm. Remember back to 2019-20, where Denver was without Murray they were without Gary Harris, they were without Paul Millsap, and they rely upon Nikola Jokic, Will Barton, Michael Porter. And they play really well. And then this past season, when things were starting to really ramp up and you started to see Michael Porter make some real growth, Jamal Murray going into all-star mode, Nikola Jokic going into MVP mode, they were fantastic leading up to the all-star break then as well. And now, once again, we're 10 games away from the All-Star break, and the Nuggets have won four in a row. They have put themselves into really good position once again, despite the fact that it's taken a little bit of time, despite the fact that it may not have been pretty up until this point. And even in these games, it it may not be pretty, but they're winning. They are finding a way. And it's on the back of Nikola Jokic, frankly, who wasn't great in the first half. He had seven points, seven rebounds, seven assists. And let me tell you, I am spoiled. I am absolutely spoiled out of my mind. Of being able to watch this guy. This is his sixth year, I'm pretty sure. Maybe his seventh year, I, I can't remember. But he has just been unbelievable throughout his entire Nuggets tenure. That you gotta stop and, and think sometimes that man, 7-7 seven, seven, and 7 in the first half for Anybody like that's what Draymond green averages on the season or somewhere close to it. That is insane that he wasn't playing that well through the first half of his like basketball for his standards. And he still finishes the game with 29 points, 13 rebounds, 10 assists, two steals, 11 of 19 from the field, three of six from three, four of four from the line. And was a plus 15. In an 11-point win. He was the difference. He was the guy that pushed them over. And did he have six turnovers? Did he have five fouls where he probably could have avoided a lot of mistakes? Yes, of course. Like, he's not infallible. I think that's one of the things that really stands out about tonight. Is that even in games where he's not infallible, he is overwhelming. He is unbelievable. And the Pelicans guys were talking about it on their broadcast tonight. That, like... He makes some incredible plays, just some back-breaking plays for the opposing team to have to deal with every single time. Those three-pointers that he hit were all huge. Some of the passes that he made to create lanes for open guys on cuts and backdoor cuts layups, they're huge. But then the ability to create something out of nothing is just unparalleled in the NBA right now. And it's the combination of everything. It's the size, the overwhelming mismatch, the skill level for when he's on the move, and then the vision to take advantage of any little mistake that the opposing team has. It still wasn't enough despite the fact that I thought the Pelicans played a really good defensive game tonight. They had a lot of good defenders in their starting lineup. Garrett Temple, really good defender. Josh Hart, really good defender. Herb Jones Excellent, excellent defender. He had five steals tonight. Garrett Temple had five steals. Billy Hernan Gomez had three blocks. Those guys were great defensively tonight. And it didn't matter. Because Jokic is inevitable. That's just where we are. That's where we are in the season right now. He is the best player in the NBA, playing at the highest level, doing the most. And it couldn't be more clear to me that he is the most valuable player in the league. I don't have a vote, but I am going to advertise it. I definitely think that he has earned that right and he needs somebody. He doesn't need anything. Like, he's just going to keep doing his thing, honestly. Like, there are so many people that are fighting against this for whatever reason of crowning what he is doing as the best. There's a lot of people that want to push back on it, and I get it. Joel Embiid has been fantastic. Kevin Durant before he went down, fantastic. Steph Curry's been in a slump, though. Giannis has been fantastic. They lost their last game to the Cavs. The Cavs are really good, so I'm not going to complain. But even Giannis has some letdowns. Like, we just haven't seen letdowns from Yoke over the past month plus. Like, I'm going to go pull up his game log right now. And just read off what he has done for the last several weeks because it deserves so much credit. He's just been fantastic. Tonight he has 29, 13, and 10. Last game, 26, 10, and 8. Game before that, 28, 21, 9. Game before that, 34, 9, and 8. Game before that, 26, 12, and 11. Game before that, 49, 14, and 10. 25 15 and 4 17 12 and 13 in a 37 point win 28 and 7 21 13 and 8 22 18 and 6 33 10 and 7 26 21 11 27 16 3 he is just a monster all the time his January has been unbelievable what he has done for the nuggets who are now? Let's just let's just take a look at this. They've played um, 14 games in the month of January. One, two, three, four, five, or 15 games. They're now 10 and five in the month of January. He should probably win Player of the Month for what he's done, for what he's been able to work Denver through, and how he has elevated his game to take on the additional responsibilities vacated by injuries is just unparalleled. There are no players in the NBA doing what he is doing with the role that he has. It's just incredible. Aaron Gordon uh, finished with 20 points tonight. I want to point out that the, the shot chart for him, I think, is pretty clear on where he struggles and where he excels. He had a bunch of turnarounds and, and pull-ups tonight. That didn't go down. I think he was. Um, if I'm not mistaken, four of five on shots around the rim and two of thirteen on all other shots, including two of eight from three. Or three, yeah, four of five and three of i th- I'm 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 missing some data points on this shot chart. It's it's incomplete. But there was a lot of times tonight where I thought that he didn't do a great job of attacking the rim. This is a game that you want to attack the rim, where you want to impose your will. You don't want to let them, like, you don't want to settle. You don't want to be in a situation where the team is shooting a bad percentage from three and you give a bad team too much confidence to come back into the game. Aaron Gordon, though, pretty decent defense. uh, Pretty good job switching on to different players. Josh Hart kind of got him a couple times. But when he switched on to Devontae Graham was pretty good. When he switched on to Herb Jones was pretty good. And then when he was playing against bench guys like Nikhil Alexander-Walker, he was pretty good there as well. Uh, so pretty good stuff from Aaron Gordon overall. I do think that there are some times where the only times when he really forced the issue, he turned it over. So maybe that was one of the reasons why he didn't. Uh, but either way, he was fine. Monte Morris was was really good, I thought. 13 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, 0 turnovers, plus 11 tonight. He got the defensive player of the game, chain from Michael Malone for his work on Devontae Graham. I thought he did a good job on Devontae Graham. thought he did a, a really good job in that matchup, and he did allow a couple of drives, but Devontae is not a good driver. He doesn't necessarily make good decisions with the basketball when he drives, and I thought that the Pelicans weren't good when he was forced off of the three point line and then it allowed other or it forced other players out to the perimeter guys like Herb Jones guys like Garrett Temple Josh Hart etc i think that devonte is at his best when he's spacing out to three and monte wasn't giving him any space and i think that's the reason why he got the dpog chain but he was very good very good in all facets tonight uh a good bounce back game for Monte. 13 points on 11 shots isn't perfect efficiency, but uh, you like to see the progress that he made for sure. Also, Mike, Michael Malone said that he thinks Monte is dead tired. That's his direct quote. thinks that he's had to carry a very heavy load for this team ever since uh, kind of the beginning of the season where he was the, the penciled in starter. So it's one of the reasons why the backup point guard question is a big one. Because if Monte doesn't have to play a whole bunch of extra minutes, they could get somebody solid there, then it might make a little bit more sense. It might give him a little bit of an opportunity to not have to play all the time and not have so much pressure. So we'll see if they can ultimately do that. But Jamal Murray is coming back at some point. So maybe that question is solved eventually. Uh, Austin Rivers was very good tonight as well. He could have gotten the DPOG chain. I thought that he also had some really good defensive plays. But 12 points, 4 of 6 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. He's, he's starting to really find that 3-point stroke. 3 steals and a block tonight for Austin Rivers and a plus 19, which led the entire team. He did stagger with that second unit in the second half. I thought that second unit played really well. We're, we're going to talk about them in the second segment. I know that's The title of this podcast is going to be about Bones, because I think that he deserves that, despite the fact that it wasn't a great game from Bones. I thought that he could have been better. Uh, It was a good game. It wasn't a great game. It wasn't a perfect game by any means. We'll talk about it soon, though. Um, And then Jeff Green, 21 points, uh, two points on two free throws, one rebound, one steal, two personal fouls, and then he only played 21 minutes. And that's pretty funny. This is a this is a veteran game from Jeff Green, where he doesn't have to play a whole heck of a lot. Didn't really do a whole heck of a lot out there. Denver wasn't at their best when Jeff Green was out there, and so they decided to give a few more minutes to Zeke Naji, a few more minutes to Bones Highland playing at the three with Aaron Gordon playing at the four. I thought that that worked pretty well, and and Bryn Forbes was also in there at the three as well. So interesting stuff from the Nuggets rotation and kind of that I think we should talk about with the second unit. So when we come back, we're going to talk about the bench. But first, as everybody knows, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. And I think with the the championship games coming up this weekend, I know that there are going to be a lot of people that want to bet on their teams, that want to bet on the odds, that want to take advantage of the best deals out there. And DraftKings Sportsbook, they're giving a 56 to one odds for new users, for new customers that if you sign up, if you bet just $5, you get $280 in free bets if your team wins. If you're not a new customer, it's okay. You can still experience the conference championships with same game parlays. As we know, you get the Bengals and the Chiefs, get the 49ers and the Rams. And in each of those games, you're going to have a lot of fireworks, You're going to have a lot of action. Debo Samuel for the 49ers, Matt Stafford and Odell Beckham for the Rams, you're going to have Pat Mahomes versus Joe Burrow in Chiefs versus uh, Bengals. You're going to have a lot of action. There's going to be a lot of legs to add to that parlay. And if the more legs you add, the more money you win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS when you do. Get those 56 to 1 odds if your team wins. That's promo code MHS for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1 800 522 4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. And we're back, pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, let's talk about the bench unit. Let's talk about what's going on with that second unit. And I think, obviously, a tale of two halves. Obviously, two different segments where you see how this team performs in different environments and, and how they how they operate in those different environments. And I think, look, I'm not going to gloat. There's 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 not gloating on this end because I just want the Nuggets to do well. Like I I don't want Denver to have to struggle as much as they do. I don't want to see Yoke have to like put on a, a superhero effort in order for the Nuggets to just break even. I've written about that. I've podcasted about that, obviously. What I want to see from the bench is good, successful play, and I'm going to try to call it how I see it, and what I've seen for the last few days- for the last few weeks, for the last few months, is that I think the Nuggets are better when Bones Highland is the point guard. I think the Nuggets are better and they are going to be more dynamic and more capable when Bones Highland is out there directing the show, having put to put others into better positions to succeed because Denver's bench is flawed Faku's in a lot of situations right now where he does not look at his best, where last year he was a lot better when he was paired with Isaiah Hartenstein and uh, even Nikola Jokic when he was starting last year. He was put in better situations because the Denver had shooters around him. Michael Porter was with the, the second unit when he was staggering. Uh, Jamal Murray was with the second unit when he was staggering. Michael Porter was in the starting unit when Faku was in the starting unit for a lot of that time. So I do think it's one of those situations where Faku has been villainized by a lot of people. And because I point out the plus minus, clearly I am a villain as well in a lot of these conversations. But I'm not. I don't think that I am. I'm just trying to do what I can to analyze the game. And so Denver goes out there in the first half and they run out a lineup that includes Faku, Bryn Forbes, Bones Highland, Zeke Naji, and DeMarcus Cousins. And the first thing that you can like okay, so here's here's the thing. Will Barton was out tonight with a non-covid illness. He wasn't on the injury report yesterday. They're in New Orleans last night. I think people can connect two and two together on this one and I think it's like, I'm just not going to say anything more about that because I think it's frustrating. But Denver got a win, so it doesn't really matter. Um, Denver's in a position where they go back to the three-guard lineup with Faku, Bones, Bryn, and they've got a center, somebody who rolls a little bit more and is a little bit bigger. So it looks a little bit better than it normally does. But I do think that it's one of those things that Denver was still struggling to score. They still couldn't really find the rhythm. They couldn't get the ball to spots where it was really successful. And the ball was in Faku's hands for much of that time. He turned the ball over three times in seven minutes. Uh, he didn't necessarily get the ball to the places where it needed to go. Bones was deferring. Zeke was deferring. Uh, Boogie wasn't really in good positions to shoot and then score under the rim. So you go a different direction. And in the second half, they go with Bones as the point guard. They go with Bones, Bryn Forbes, Austin Rivers at the three, Zeke Nagy, and DeMarcus Cousins. It's not a big change. It's not a massive change. It's just, hey, we're going to put the ball in Bones Highland's hands. We're going to have him direct traffic. We're going to ask him to be a playmaker for others. And I really do think that the defense responded to that a lot better because I think, or not the defense, the the players around him responded the first play where he was out there um, other than the the transition assist that he got the first play he ran one four pick and roll with Zeke Naji and Zeke popped out to the three-point line. Bones's man switched it and so I think uh, Zeke then back cut that action and Bones found him on the back cut found him on a very easy uh, pass directly into the lane and Zeke made a play. And a lot of that was because they had the spacing to do it. A lot of that was because they had uh, good chemistry. Those guys have good chemistry already. It's pretty clear. But there was spacing because Bones was out there and he was dragging his man or Zeke's man away from the rim and it opened up the floor. It opened up the pain. Bones also just drained a 30 footer off of a whim because the defense was giving him too much space and bones just set up to three. And he hit a three uh, in that quarter. He also like he had four assists in the second half. Not sure if they all came in the third quarter or not or in the fourth quarter. I think a couple of them came in the third. But he had at least three points and four assists. He finishes with six points, four assists, a steal and a block. Has two turnovers. So it wasn't perfect. Wasn't in a in a, an elite game from him. He also had five fouls. There are still some things that happened to him where he gets taken advantage of size-wise. But Faku also gets taken advantage of size-wise. That's something that hasn't really changed. That's something that Denver's still going to deal with, regardless of if Faku's out there or not. Of if Forbes are Forbes and Bones are out there or not. Everybody is small. So reducing the number of small guys, going from Faku to Austin Rivers, who is, I think, six inches taller. so I think, a big deal. Austin Rivers played really good defense in this one. He was very helpful. Zeke Naji played really good defense in this one. Boogie Cousins got a, a couple steals, I'm pretty sure. He got one steal, one block. But he was in the passing lanes as well. Really helped things out. I think that Denver is going to be in a really good situation going forward, if they put Bones Highland in this point guard role. Now, there are some things that they're going to have to struggle with. If Bones is being guarded by Drew Holiday on Sunday, things are going to look a little different. Even if he's being guarded by Dante DiVincenzo or Pat Condon. like Bones is going to be in for a lot of rookie moments. And I thought he had one tonight where he was inbounding the ball out of bounds. And I'm pretty sure Herb Jones was the one guarding him in the deep corner. And he gets the ball tipped, and then it's stolen. So, like, it's not going to be perfect. He's going to be put into situations that he's not going to look like a point guard. He's going to struggle with the playmaking at times. But he was good enough defensively tonight. He was good enough offensively tonight. Bryn Forbes was put in a better position to shoot. DeMarcus Cousins was set up really well. Zeke Naji was set up really well. I think those things matter. And it's not that Faku can't. It really isn't. It's just that the geometry of the floor is going to look a lot different when Bones can shoot from anywhere, and Faku is just going to have his man go under screens every time. A good defense is going to pack the paint against Faku Campazo. They can't do that against Bones Highland. Bones has been taking a lot of difficult threes, so his three-point percentage doesn't necessarily look great. If they give him easy looks. He's going to knock those down and then Denver's going to survive with this bench unit. I really do believe that. And the crazy thing is, is I think they can get better. I think they can improve because there are a lot of times where I think Boogie Cousins was out there and he was being set up for relatively easy shots under the rim. The jumper hasn't really gone down yet. If he starts making shots, then maybe this thing looks even better. Because Zeke Najee's already making shots. Bones Highland and Bryn Forbes, they're capable of making shots constantly. Austin Rivers is hot, hot to hell right now. He's shooting the ball out of his mind. So you've suddenly got a lot of spacing. You've got a lot of guys who can shoot. And you've got a guy in Bones who can not just shoot, but he can break the defense down. Get to the rim. Do his thing. And that's really, really important. So... We're going to have to see. We're going to have to see what this bench brings. I do think that Brent Forbes, he closed with the starters tonight, had 25 minutes, 14 minutes, 5 of 11 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. Good night for Brent Forbes. Not a good defensive night. I think he was probably Denver's worst defender tonight. Just a lot of really ugly plays. But it was still positive. And what he did was able to help get Denver through in some of these tough situations because of the way that he shoots, the way that he spaces the floor, really, really helped. Zeke Nagy's five of five. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that. 11 points, three rebounds, just makes a lot of sense at the four. The way that he defends, the way that he shoots, he makes a lot of sense. He's a good athlete. He's made a lot of strides in his ability to navigate defensive coverages. Nikhil Alexander-Walker did take advantage of him at times. He had 18 points, didn't Alexander-Walker, but it was on a ton of shots. 18 points on five of 14, six of six from the line. Not all of that was on Zeke. I think Zeke did a really good job. And then Cousins. Cousins was one of seven. Got a steal, got a block. I still think there is some stuff that he has to manage, that he has to work through. The seven rebounds are helpful. Being able to be a load in there is a really big deal. And he also got a steal and then ran a fast break with Zeke Nagy and dished it ahead to Zeke Nagy for a layup, for an and one. So there are a lot of ways that Cousins can be impactful. I will continue to maintain that given that Denver's still looking for center upgrades, I don't know if Zeke or I don't know if Cousins is going to be the guy for them. They still probably are looking for the guy. Like I think Cousins is probably immobile enough that they can still look for different options. I would prioritize a three and D wing. That's what I would personally look for. But I'm not surprised that Cousins has played well or at least helped the bench look healthier than they have in a long time, despite the fact that he isn't shooting well. It's one of those things, like he was a net neutral in the plus-minus tonight. Six points on seven shots, one of seven from the field. What if he goes four of seven? If he goes four of seven, the Denver's plus six, or somewhere close to it. That's pretty good for a bench. They've got a lot of guys that can continue to do that. I think this is sustainable. I really do. I know New Orleans is not a good team. I know the team that they faced tonight uh, with Jose Alvarado, Najee Marshall, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Jackson Hayes. that That is not a good bench either. And there's been a lot of smoke and mirrors with this bench group over the last four games during their four wins, I think. That there's some stuff that's being kind of glossed over. Because they are winning games. But I do think tonight was a good first step. I do think that Faco Compasso probably doesn't play in the next game. That'd be my guess. Um, But they might. Like, frankly, they might do that. Although I think that Will Barton comes back. Then Austin Rivers goes to the bench. And then you're thinking, okay, well, we could either put Austin Rivers on the bench completely. Or Bones Highland on the bench completely. Or we could just run the same bench unit that did really well, which is what I expect them to do. I expect next game, as long as everybody's healthy, for them to go Monte Morris, Will Barton, Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, Nicole Jokic, and then for the bench to look like Bones Highland, Bryn Forbes, Austin Rivers, Zeke Naji, and DeMarcus Cousins. We will see if it happens. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Nuggets continuing to climb up the standings. We'll be right back. we're back final segment pickaxe and roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much for tuning in if you could it would be awesome if you could rate review and subscribe to the pod on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you get your podcast google spreaker uh whatever pro- platform you use actually i'm kind of interested what platform you do use are you, are you just downloading into the apple device what's going on where you, where do you like to get your stuff it would be great if you could leave a review that would be fantastic for sure uh, one of the things that I wanted to try, one of the things that I did tonight or, or last night was I did a Twitter Spaces. I did a Twitter Spaces for about 90 minutes, had a whole bunch of people in there. I think like at max, we had like 200 people, which is really, clo- like, really cool. Uh, it's one of those things that like, you, you don't necessarily fully appreciate it, uh, that people want to listen to what you have to say until you're talking about it. And I know a lot of people wanted to talk trades a lot of people wanted to hear what I had to say about the trade market. So I did that. Unfortunately, being a goofball, being an idiot, I didn't have the app down uh, updated completely. So I missed out on the opportunity to record the spaces. I was going to post it on this platform. I didn't do that. And I'm sorry. I, I really am sorry because it was 90 minutes of really good content. So either way, um, I'm going to do that next week. As well, so if you miss the last one, I am going to do that again. So we're going to have a very similar conversation. Probably get some updated information on what the Nuggets are going to do, what other teams are going to do, things like that, and maybe we can uh, break some news on there. That'll be pretty fun. All right, um, twenty-seven and twenty-one, four-game win streak. The Nuggets are now—they're still seven and three in their last ten but they're 9-3 and three in their last 12. They've played really well. They've closed the gap on the Utah Jazz, who are in the four seed. So here's here's kind of how the standings break down right now, because I think that this is a very important part of the conversation for the rest of the season. The Suns are 39-9. and nine. They're in a tier of their own. The Warriors are 36-13. and 13. They're in a tier of their own as well. The Memphis Grizzlies, they're a step below that at 34 and 17. So each of those teams has about four games of separation between them. And then the Jazz, at 30 and 20, they have a three and a half game deficit behind the Grizzlies at three. The Jazz have now officially moved down to the Dallas and Denver tier, where the Jazz have 20 losses. The Mavericks, at 28 and 21, have 21 losses. And the Nuggets have 21 losses, too. They're just 27 and 21. So Denver is a technically two games back of the Jazz. They're also three games back because they lost the tiebreaker. They, they're they 0-3 against the Jazz this year. But they do play the Jazz in a few days uh, on the second night of a back-to-back. And they have an opportunity to make up a game there. It is, like I said, second night of a back-to-back going to be a hard game going to be a really tough situation for Denver. They'll probably deal with a heavy injury report. But they'll be in a situation where they could make up some some more ground, put themselves into a really good position. And on top of the tier there with the 4, 5 and 6 seeds all being like basically tied, the Clippers, the T-Wolves and the Lakers all have 25 to 26 losses. Uh, the Clippers are 25 and 26. The T-Wolves are 24 and 25. The Lakers are 24 and 26. So they're all at the seven to nine range. And all of them are at least four losses back of the Nuggets. So there's tiers being developed here. And the tier that really stands out is that Denver, they are not going to be a play-in team unless they really fall off. Because Murray and Border will eventually come back. And they'll have some good stability from those guys for sure. But it's pretty clear that they're probably not going to be a play-in team because their schedule lightens up considerably once they get done with this road trip. They're going to get done with this road trip, and then they're going to have like just a whole heck of a lot less games on the road going forward. They have played 26 games on the road so far. They will finish up this road trip with 29 games on the road, which means that they'll play 12 for the rest of the season compared to 19 at home. Not to mention the strength of schedule is going to be a lot lower as well. So Denver's going to be in a good position schedule-wise, which means that because of the work that they've done at the beginning of the year, because they've won the games that they're supposed to win, lost the games that they're supposed to lose, but they've made up a couple of extra games in the games that they should win department. There is real trade deadline speculation for them. Matt Moore reported today for the Action Network, good friend of the program, of course, that the Nuggets have still placed calls at Backup Center. That hasn't stopped, even when getting Cousins. Like I I do think that they are considering what it means to have Cousins as the backup but they are also considering other options what it would mean for a more athletic roller what it would mean for somebody who can shoot a little bit more efficiently because cousins hasn't really shot efficiently for the bucks when he was there or for the nuggets so far like he's still struggling to shoot and denver's in a situation where yeah he has definitely helped them because he's been a really big body He's made some good, intelligent passes, made some really great screens, and is getting some good offensive rebounds. But they can even still upgrade about kind of beyond that. They have a lot of good athletic forwards. They're going to get back, get back some really good guard help in Jamal Murray. Maybe it's just the backup center. Maybe that's all they need. I don't think it's all they need. I still think that they are heavily considering wings I still think that they're heavily considering three and D wings specifically. Guys that make sense, uh, that will probably be moved by teams, uh, guys like Justin Holiday and Torrey Craig of the Indiana Pacers, guys like Kenrich Williams of the OKC Thunder, guys like Alec Burks of the New York Knicks, Josh Richardson of the Boston Celtics, and some other names that I threw out there. Yesterday on the spaces, I'll just pull up this list here real quick Um, as I scroll, as I scroll, what about a bigger deal that involves a Derek White or a Marcus Smart or a D'Anthony Melton or a Dorian Finney-Smith or Cantavius Caldwell Pope? There are names out there. That I think could be had. It just depends on what the Nuggets are willing to give up, what they've identified as what their needs actually are, and the players that they are willing to go get, that they are interested in going to go get. Because I think that there are some names out there that would be pretty helpful. Now, are like is is Caldwell Pope that much better than Austin Rivers? I don't know. I don't know if he is better is Josh Richardson that much better? I don't know. There are metrics that believe that they're better. There are metrics that believe Justin Holiday is better. The Nuggets have to weigh that. They have to figure out what is the line that they want to cross, that they want to exceed on the trade market this year. Because if they don't get somebody that is that much better, then they're basically going to go into this playoff run Without an elite point of attack defender, they're going to really struggle on their point of attack defense. As I mentioned on the spaces yesterday, that is something that I continue to worry about because even though Bones Highland has, has shown some good stuff tonight, that Faco Camposo has been a good point of attack defender for Denver this year, there are other problems with both of those guys. And I think that they are likely to be out of the rotation. By the time Murray comes back and Monte Morris goes back to the second unit. So you're looking at somebody bigger who could maybe play the two or the three, maybe be a versatile piece that doesn't need the ball all the time, that can switch onto ones, that can switch onto twos, can switch onto threes, and you feel good about them in every single one of those matchups. There aren't that many great players like that, but there are some good ones. I think the Nuggets know that they need somebody like that. I, I I actually can confirm that they need somebody like that and that they know they need somebody like that. So they're looking. They're trying. They're going to try to figure it out. But I know that what they've established so far has a really good foundation. It's kind of like what we saw last year with when Jokic was out there, when Murray was out there, when Porter was out there. We knew that they needed an athletic wing slash forward defender, a three and a half, if you will, somebody who could play the four on offense, but the three on defense. That's exactly what Aaron Gordon was. And Denver identified that need. They canvassed the league looking for options. And then on trade day, trade deadline day, they ultimately found Aaron Gordon and they found a good deal that they were willing to do the Nuggets are willing to make these trades. They're willing to try. And I do think that it's something that Nuggets fans are going to have to watch out for. Because this team does have a chance. If Murray comes back and looks anything like himself, if Porter comes back, looks anything like himself, then what the Nuggets have established already is a very high baseline. They've established that Jokic is one of the best players in the world, if not the best. They've established that Aaron Gordon is an elite fit, that he can do a whole heck of a lot on the offensive and defensive ends and could be extremely helpful in a lot of different situations. Monte Morris has proven that he's, if not a starting caliber point guard, at at the very least, one one of the very best backup point guards. And so having him out there could be really helpful. Will Barton. Austin Rivers, Brent Forbes, good veterans to have, Jeff Green, Zeke Nagy, good athletic forward options to have. We'll see if they can find another 3 and D wing, see if they can find another center, if that's still something that they're interested in. But I do think that things are not done. And that Denver wants to continue to add to this rotation because they believe that they have a very strong roster when they're healthy. And that once that thing comes together, you plug in just a couple holes and you've got yourself a championship caliber team, or at least a team that can really challenge the opposing side. If that's the case, if that's what happens, then I am very excited for what's to come in the next two weeks. I really am. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. Uh, Keep an eye out for the Twitter spaces next week. I think it will probably be Thursday, but we will see. And then keep an eye out. I'm going to try to get up something. Um, Actually, no, we'll scratch that. We will see. Probably not going to have another podcast until Monday. But we will see. We will just uh, we'll just have to wait until that. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys very soon.